it's hard to be fat as an adult. When you are a fat adult with a fat child, you're a particularly kind of terrible in society. You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast where we talk about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, health, and increasingly fashion. I am Virginia Soulsmith. I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. Today, I am chatting with Pam Luck. Pam is a mom and a founder of Ember and Ace, a line of plus-size athletic clothing for kids. Currently in the works, Pam's also a Burnt Toast community member. And I'm really happy to have her on the podcast. You all have been asking for more articles, episodes, everything about plus-size kids' clothes forever since I did gene science. This topic has been coming up. And so we are really getting into it this week, and I'm so glad. Pam is both a mom who wears plus-size clothes and did as a kid and dressing a kid in a larger body. So she's really thought about this issue from, like, just— the inside out, every possible angle. She has awesome advice, a lot of little tips and tricks I had never thought about for actually finding clothes for your kids. And we also talk about sort of big picture, why the industry is having such a hard time doing this, what needs to change, what we can all do as consumers to advocate for that change. So here's Pam, but first a quick break. So if today's conversation matters to you and you like having a space to learn more and think more about anti-fat bias without shitty diet culture ads all around you, I would love for you to support the show in one of these ways or do them all and get that extra gold star. First, subscribe for free in your podcast player. This really helps people find the show the more subscribers we have. Also, you can leave us a rating and review just scroll down in Apple Podcast or Spotify till you see the stars, tap, and leave us a little note. Third, consider a paid subscription to the Burnt Toast newsletter. It's just $5 a month or $50 for the year. You get tons of great extra content, all the essays and Ask Virginia columns, and you get to be a part of the amazing Burnt Toast community. And last, for extra credit, you can pre-order my book. It's called Fat Talk, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture. It comes out from Henry Holt on April 25th, 2023. You can go ahead and order it now by clicking the links in your episode description or asking for it anywhere you buy books. One of those links is to my local independent bookstore, Split Rock Books. If you pre-order with them, I will be happy to sign your copy and they ship anywhere in the United States. You can also ask your library to pre-order it and put it on hold when they do. Whatever you do on this list, even if you're just here listening, so glad to have you. Thank you so much for supporting independent anti-diet journalism. So I have been plus size my entire life and I grew up loving sports and dance. I played soccer, I tapped jazz and ballet. And when I got to high school, I struggled to find leotards and soccer outfits that would fit. I had to, I remember... I was a goalkeeper and I had to go to the men's department at the sporting goods store to try and find a shirt and pants that would fit, which is super fun uh, when you're Mm -hmm. 17. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very affirming experience for you. Yeah. So fast forward 30 years, I have a daughter who's a teenager and she also loves sports and dance and we're struggling to find things that fit her because she's also in a bigger body. And I'm like, why is this still a problem? It's been 30 years. Yeah. So I said, well, I have no background in in apparel and or manufacturing, but somebody has to do something. And so it's something that I obviously have lived experience with and I'm super passionate about. So that's where Embernace came from, was really this idea that 
We have to address a couple of myths, which is one, that kids in bigger bodies don't do activities, right, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And number two, that if you were doing an activity, your body would magically get smaller. <laughs> Immediately, before you needed to buy the uniform. <laughs> right? Just go to a couple of practices, you'll be fine. Um, and I think for me, the biggest piece is what message do these kids get? Because I know for me, it's that you don't belong here. The space yeah. isn't for you. Mm-hmm. So. It's really that that sort of drives the creation of embryonase and the fact that I want to focus on athletic where to start. And, you know, the name itself, it's a play on the word embrace because I want to just, somebody needs to love on these kids. That's lovely. I, I'm really glad you're speaking to these myths right off the bat. I mean, when we think of like, oh, kids in bigger bodies aren't athletic, it's just so clear, like, are they not athletic or is it that athletic spaces are not available to them? There's a really small qualitative study that I read that was done, I think, in the UK a few years ago, where they talked to a bunch of teens and bigger bodies specifically, and they said one of the reasons they quit is because the uniforms don't fit. I'm glad we've got the data, but also I think we all knew that. But we need the data to explain it to people who don't grasp it. So it's been 30 years since you were struggling with this. Now you're facing it with your daughter. Why isn't it better? Why is it still so bad? So the short answer is capitalism and anti-fat bias, but I will say more. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Most of the brands that work in kids' clothing are large corporations, and the focus is always profit first. Mm -hmm. And so you spend money developing a pattern, and then you come up with rules to make bigger sizes for that one pattern, and then you price, and then you go sell. Mm -hmm. And now people are saying, well, you have to make bigger sizes, and the rules aren't the same for how you're going to change the sizes of those patterns. And we don't want you charging more money because that's just ridiculous. So mm-hmm. here they are. And they're like, well, but my whole pricing model and everything that I've already invested money in, right? And again, the focus is on profit and sell more units. So it's honestly, I feel like it's cheaper just to get into new markets with that existing pattern and stuff that you have versus trying to sort of take on this problem. And I will also say, I do think... In particular, the children's clothing industry is a little bit more price sensitive. I feel like you're lucky sometimes to get six months of wear out of something before your child is like, Right. I don't want to spend $46 on a pair of pants that they can't wear for more than five minutes. You're also not creating lifelong customers. It's not like, oh, I wore your, I'm going to wear your jeans for like 40 years. I'm going to wear your wrap dress for 40 years because Mm -hmm. kids just move through those sizes. So you don't have the long-term customer cultivation. You do have a little bit of price sensitivity. And so you add all of that to the existing sort of corporate model. And nobody's like advocating, I think, for this. I do think you're starting to see in the plus-size adult space, people really advocating for going above a 3X. And I don't see that right now in this space. And I do feel like it's tricky, right? I chose like the hardest thing to take on. I don't know. Because I'm sensitive to exposing not only my own daughter, but a lot of kids that are already struggling to a spotlight. Mm -hmm. So it's a really complicated thing to sort of navigate. And so Mm. corporations that aren't really inclined to make a change and the lack of there being a lot of folks sort of talking about this, I think it's going to start changing and they're not going to have a choice. But I think a lot of that really contributes. I'm just thinking about what you just said about brand loyalty and it maybe makes sense that where we are seeing some progress, it's brands like Land's End or Old Navy, where 
they can grow you from a child customer to an adult customer, right? Yes. Whereas tea collection or primary or yep. some of these other Hannah and well Hannah Anderson does do adult. They pajamas. started to do some adult stuff and they do PJs. So, my husband and my daughter have matching pajamas. <laughs> Um, but but these otherwise like these very cute kid brands that only do kids don't have that same incentive. You're right because they have this turnover in customers, and they're thinking, well, there's always going to be another skinny seven year old who will wear these clothes. Right, and I can also take this existing and maybe move into new markets. Like I can get into Asia, I can get into you know, South America, and I will say it's an investment. It is an investment to do mm-hmm. these patterns and to make these things work. So I'm not giving them a get out of jail free card, but when you're only driven by, you know, profit. Well, I think it's just helpful for people to understand that there are these logistical pieces of the puzzle that need to be worked out. And of course, we should be working it out and we want companies to do better. But it's not just this sort of blatant refusal to engage. It's definitely lack of awareness and lack of incentive. But also then there's these complicated pieces. And part of it is just trying to figure out how do we carry you know, a variety of sizes in a cost-effective way. And it's something that I'm going to be experimenting with. Because I think the other thing that's interesting, you know, as you sort of talk to people that have worked in the space before, one of the things that's really interesting is they're like, some customers are willing to wait, you know, 30 days so that you're like, tell me all the sizes you need and pre-order and we're going to make those things. and That'll be great. And some people, for a lot of reasons, don't want to wait or can't wait. So that would be the model that might be the easiest, right? Tell me the sizes you need. And if we can, you know, get it done in 30 days, then great. People are used to their Amazon Prime two-day delivery options. And so the idea of waiting and having to plan ahead feels hard. Even though, yeah, that could be a great strategy for more custom sizing options. Yeah. So it's just trying to figure out what can we do and what can we make adjust. And, you know, even if it's just like put a giant three-inch hem on the bottom so you can let it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like exploring all these different things that we can potentially do to sort of cover as much ground as possible. I also want to speak a little more to the piece you were talking about in terms of the conversation around the kids themselves and you sort of being conscious of wanting to protect your daughter's privacy and all of this. And do you think that parental ambivalence is a reason we're not seeing retailers do more in this area? Like, are parents not being as vocal as they need to be, perhaps because, either because of, you know, just wanting to keep their kids sort of more private, but also ambivalence about their kids' bodies? I mean, I feel like there's definitely something that we have to start talking about and exploring when it comes to parents that have kids in bigger bodies. I do think, you know, we all continue to struggle with where anti-fat bias lives, and it feels like a daily practice mm-hmm. for me still. And I've done so much work, I feel like, particularly since like 2018 onward. But it's a constant effort to sort of look at how that's impacting the choices that I make and the decisions and the things that still come up for me and out of my mouth. And I think I will say the other thing that's really, really hard, it's hard to be fat as an adult. When you are a fat adult with a fat child, you're a particularly kind of terrible in society. And I think we've all seen the story of, you know, I think it was in the UK, they took kids away from Mm -hmm. a mother Mm -hmm. because they were so big. And so part of it is like you're terrified of what people are going to say and do, like when you take your kids in for an annual physical, like 
it's bad enough that, you know, you think terrible things about me as a fat person and all these ideas you have about what I do and don't do. But when you now bring a child into that conversation, it's been one of the toughest things for me. Absolutely. Just to even talk about it, because I think there is so much negativity around what you must be doing wrong as a parent. And like, you're not already struggling every day as a parent yeah. feeling like you're doing something wrong. Like, that's not a baseline position for most of us when we wake up in the morning as a parent. Yeah. yeah. So let's please add to that that, you know, you've obviously done a terrible job and you have a fat child now. So I feel like I feel it's, like it's really hard to talk about. It's hard for me to talk about. I mean, obviously, listeners, neither Pam nor I agree with that. <laughs> She's not doing right. a terrible job. Fat parents <laughs> right. are not doing a terrible job. Fat kids are awesome. All of that. But like, even if you accept that premise, like just for a second to entertain the idea, the logical conclusion you go to is so that kid doesn't deserve clothes that fit. Like, it's just punitive and crappy. Like, what do we as a culture think is going to come from taking a shame-based approach to talking about kids' body size and parenting? It makes no sense to me. When has a shame-based approach ever worked, like, for anything? So I think you're right. I think there's something to parents needing better language for all of this and feeling like we can advocate for these kids. You know, parents of thin kids thinking about how to be allies when you're choosing a brand, just, like, giving feedback, mentioning yeah. if that it's great you're carrying plus-size stuff because now my kid can match your best friend. You know, like, right. things like that that we can just normalize the need for this, that, of course, kids need clothes that fit, and an increasingly large percentage of kids are not going to fit into the standard sizing. So yeah, that's no longer standard or right. useful. So you had put together this really amazing tip sheet that we're going to put in the transcript. And when you emailed it over to me to take a look, you said, you know, every tip on here has a story because these are yeah. all strategies you've used yourself or I'm guessing had to figure out the hard way. <laughs> I also really love that you broke it down by age. So I thought we could just talk through some of these. So to start with, I was curious, you start at ages four to eight. Can we talk a little bit about before age four? You know, is it easier at that ages or what are your thoughts there for that group? I will say I did find it a little bit easier at the younger ages. I think it's partly because, thankfully, the diaper is still in play in those early mm -hmm. years. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the clothes, they know you have to fit a child and a diaper in those mm -hmm. pants. And so I, I found like just there was always a lot of give and stretch and space, yeah, particularly yeah. during like the diaper years. So I feel like, you know, the other thing is sizing up is one of those things that sort of always works. And so a lot of the tips that I put for ages four to eight are the things that I would have done. Like you're six months, but you're in a nine month size and you're nine mm -hmm. months. Now you're in 12 month size and you're a year old and you're wearing 18 months. And that's sort of the pattern that continues. But because of the diaper, you've got a little, you've got a little more room. A little more wiggle room. Also, I would imagine like, like there's a change in the way kids' clothes are cut when you get into like elementary school sizing. Like, and they are expecting yeah. the kids have moved out of that sort of more toddler-shaped body into the child-shaped body, and they're assuming there's a leaning out that happens, which of course does not happen for all kids. I often hear from parents that this yes. is when it's hard, you know? Yes. Now your kindergartner needs tights for ballet, and there's like no tights that come in, you know, waistbands that work and that kind of yes. thing. Yes. Absolutely. I do think you see that, you know, because I think once everybody's like, once your kids start moving a lot, they're going to just turn into a string bean. Mm -hmm. I'm like, mm, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everyone. Yeah. Some kids, <laughs> sure. <laughs> not all of them. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, so in ages four to eight, you suggest shopping the boys' department. So talk yes. a little bit about, yeah, the boys versus girls' departments. Well, obviously, this works well when you have a girl. I mean, <laughs> because I think what I tended to notice is like a lot of legs are cut really narrow, particularly mm-hmm. when you like are talking about in the girls' department. The tees are that like slim, feminine cut t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The shorts, not only are they cut narrower, the inseam is like an inch and a half yeah. on girls' shorts, which is like, why is the boys' inseam five inches and yeah. the girls' inseam in the same size as an inch and a half? Let's also talk about early sexualization of children. Cool. <laughs> Great. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. And I think The great thing is, like, for a lot of kids' clothes, because there's so much stretch, it's leggings, it's T-shirts, it's knit shorts, it's all those things, you can size up and you have some flexibility. But where I particularly ran into challenges was with woven fabrics. So you need a pair of black woven pants or you need a pair of, you know, any type denim was another Mm -hmm. thing because there is some stretch denim, but a lot of times even then... It's cut so narrow in that like jegging style, the that skinny like, jean style. I, yeah, you're yeah, like my kids' legs won't even won't fit in that. So yeah. we tended a lot to like again, t-shirts are cut in that more traditional standard t-shirt style. They aren't slim cut, mm-hmm. and shorts have longer inseams and are wider through the leg, and jeans are wider through the leg, and. Even just like sweatshirts and sweaters, things just having a little bit more room in them. Honestly, I still shop in the men's department for myself as well. I think the t-shirt I actually have on right now is from the men's department. When I had Julia Tertian on here a few weeks ago, she talked about sort of gravitating to the men's department and staying there for many years. It was just both aesthetically really spoke to her and it was where she could find clothes that fit and were comfortable for her body. So it makes sense. But I do wonder... What do you do then with the nine-year-old girl who loves unicorns and, you know, wants the pink and all of that? Because it is absurd how gendered children's clothing. Like, it's absolutely absurd (laughs) that, you know, we have boys and girls departments at all. But, yeah, how do you help that kid find her style if her style is not in the boys department? Yeah. I will say try to find the trendy where you can. And I think the one of the great places that it's, it's a little bit easier is with like t-shirts and sweatshirts and things because sizing up there you don't typically end up floating in it and if you do for a sweatshirt it's how they're worn anyway mm-hmm. and you know I do think by the time you're nine you're probably if you're plus size a lot of times you're already into a 10 12 plus so mm-hmm. a lot of brands do start their plus sizing for kids around that 10 12 point mm-hmm. so okay Land's End is a place that we did it, like, let's bring on, like, unicorn leggings and or sparkly leggings and mm-hmm. bright pink and bright yellow. So a by nine, when they're maybe starting to say, I want to have the same things my friends have, you are, nine times out of ten, you may already be into the plus sizing. I've always been like, it's like, you get out front, you stay out front. So you're like, by four, I'm wearing a six. And by six, I'm wearing an eight. And by eight, mm-hmm. I'm wearing, like, a 10, 12 plus, And by 14, I'm wearing, like, an 18 plus. And so... Mm-hmm. If that's the other thing, like the sizing doesn't make a lot of sense. So I will say by nine, a lot of kids are already sort of sliding yeah. into that plus range. And you can, thankfully with stretch, you can, even if it's just a little big, you can usually get away with it. So there are 
by that point, you have some options in place. It is tough, though, when, I mean, I have two girls who have both been deciding their own outfits since toddlerhood. Like, I haven't mm-hmm. picked out an outfit for these children in years. They're very opinionated. And one of my daughters does not fit into most traditional brands of leggings. And so I was buying her joggers because I thought they looked so much more comfy, like, you know, looser and cute joggers, fun patterns, colors, whatever. And she calls them shaggy pants and she won't wear them. She's she's like, these are too shaggy. Why are you making me wear shaggy pants? And I'm just like, because I don't want you to be uncomfortable. And, you know, even when I size up in the leggings, like the narrowness of the legs stays, you know, so... Navigating that has been interesting. Yeah. And I will say a lot of times if I could, I would opt for Capri because then I'm at least, mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of the lower leg challenge. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like their foot isn't just stuck. And you also suggested Capris and crop tops like because you can size up and the length may be right for your yeah. shorter kiddo. I'm always looking for like crop sweatshirts and sweaters or like ankle length, crop length, mm-hmm. Capri length, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to help. The other thing is I'm, Embarrassed to say I'm a terrible sewer. <laughs> so I'm not trying to, like, yes, I can attach a button. Yes, I can probably sew a hole along the seam. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about, like, hemming an entire pair of pants, I'm out. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to minimize, A, the amount of alterations we have to do, particularly at a young age when you're growing out of things so quickly. Yeah, and yeah. B... It's hard when you're like swimming in a sweatshirt that like goes all the way to your knees. Although that I think was a style when I was coming up. But yes, yes. Yeah, that is helpful. The oversized styles. Although apparently with the kindergarten set, not with joggers. So <laughs> as I'm learning, <laughs> since we're suggesting girls look in the boys department, yeah. what are we having the boys do? If there's a girls plus section, there's almost always a boys plus section. So, you know, most of the brands that I reference here do carry boys. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be one of those things where... You're, again, looking for sizing up. You're looking for fabrics with stretch. I hate to say it, but that's going to be your best friend. And the other things, like any amount of adjustability is going to help you. And so, for example, in like a woven cargo pant, look for the ones that have that little tab where you Mm -hmm. can roll the cuffs. Because then I'm like, then it will actually maybe be the right length for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have to size up. I'm going to address that length. And so it's really like... A lot of the options are looking for stretch and adjustability, and then you may end up having to maybe get some things hemmed if you don't sew. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think it's a lot of the same techniques. It's really just about how does this adjust? And I will say the other thing that I like a lot are cuffs, Mm -hmm. both on pants and sleeves. Oh, yeah. I, (laughs) again, don't sew. And... So for like when you have to wear like the white button down for like the band concert or like the chorus in like fifth grade, if I have to size up and the sleeves are too long, that cuff, I just literally turn it back. Yeah. And I've just shortened that sleeve two inches. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart. No, I was just looking at we have like a band dress code. I have to buy band clothing for for my fourth grader. And I was having the same thought of like, oh, you want them in button down shirts and skirts. Like how doable is this going to be for every kid? One of the things that you have to sort of just get on board with, you have to start early. And this is where sometimes the school, I'm like, please don't tell me three days in advance. I need more than three days. (laughs) This is a project I have to start a semester ahead of time. I need at least two weeks, potentially, because 
if it's not Amazon, which slips in two days, it's going to be five days of process and then four days to get it to me. So I need two full weeks in advance. Thank you. Yeah, do schools think we can shop in person? Because that is so rarely doable for any busy parent's life, like that I can just like grab you and go do a quick shopping trip to get this done. But for kids in plus sizes, I mean, like a lot of these stores don't carry their plus lines in the store, et cetera, et cetera. You have to like get organized and get planned and have a plan and mm-hmm. have time to execute the plan. Mm-hmm. But I I do think, you know, having like the cuff shirt, I just, I'm like, I'm not going to shorten it. We're just going to roll the cuffs and they're off you go. I'm like, can we have, do you remember when you used to like tweak your jeans at the bottom? Are you old enough to remember that? Oh yeah, that? French cuffing your jeans. Can we bring that back? Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't have to worry about your jeans, your pants being too long. I wonder if that trend originated with parents who were like, I am buying you two sizes of jeans because I don't want to buy jeans every year and you can just roll them. And kids were like, okay, we'll make it cool, yes. Yeah, we're going to do this. And I think, you know, for non, like maybe you have to end up hemming the pants for band. But mm-hmm. for other things like joggers, Definitely get the cuff. Get the ones with the cuff on the bottom. Because mm-hmm. again, it's going to keep all that extra fabric from like dragging on the floor. Right. It's going to like pull around your ankles a little bit. But yeah. and you can also turn those up once. I'm all about the no sew tips right now. For sure. You're speaking to a fellow non-seller. <laughs> and I also don't want to. I mean, I have a great local tailor that helps me deal with all of these issues. Right. I'm not spending that money on kids clothing. You're like, you're wearing these pants and this button down for one band concert and then it's not going to fit you next year. (laughs) And it's $28 in tailoring. Cool. Cool. Great. Great. We were talking about the shipping times and all that, but I'm assuming in general, you feel like online is going to give parents more options than in person. We should just speak to that a little. Yeah, I absolutely do think that online is going to give you so many more options. And you've already said a lot of brands don't even carry their plus in store. It's easier because I have a girl because I'm like, we're going to turn it into like a personal shopping experience and I'm going to mm-hmm. get you a bunch of different things. And I feel like it takes a little bit of the pressure off when you have multiple choices to sort of be like, well, this one's not working, but let's try this one. Mm-hmm. And you just very quickly sort of move on. I also really like, I like this for me too. Like I can put this on with the jeans I already have and see if I like it or yeah. these are the shoes I want to wear for this outfit. Does it work? <laughs> I've really embraced online shopping for myself just out of necessity. You know, I live kind of in the country. We don't have a lot of stores nearby. The ones we do have do not have plus size sections. And I've embraced like always buy two sizes of everything and just returns are part of the process. I think there is a valid environmental objection to that. Obviously, I'm shipping boxes to Zappos like back and forth across the country. It's not great from a carbon footprint perspective. It's not great from a what do they do with the returned clothes perspective. But I just think we as individuals have to let ourselves off that hook because, you know, there's no real other realistic way to solve these problems. And particularly for your kids, like having a more relaxed experience of let's try on this box of clothes at home where you're comfortable and can take a break and get bored. And, you know, versus us being like in the Target dressing room and everybody needs a cookie, but we're like hangry and trying to finish the shopping trip. Like, no, bad. No. And I I do want to take a second since you've spoken about sort of the environmental piece. Like I obviously, I'm a small business owner, so I love small brands and I support small brands. And I also live in California, so you know I'm all about um, (laughs) the environmental (laughs) impact of the things we do. But I do want to let every single parent who's trying to dress their plus size kid know, shop where you can. Find what you need, because until we improve the system overall, you have to do what you need to in order to put clothes on your kids. And please know that I, even as a small business owner, like, hello, I shop at Amazon. I do. 
for mm-hmm. my kid. And I shop in Land's End, Target, all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Let yourself off the hook for that. I'm curious too, because since your your daughter is 12 or 13? 13. 13. So you're getting into the teen years of all of this. Um, and again, as discussed, my children already have very strong opinions about what they wear. Um, how do you think about encouraging a plus-size kid to still explore personal style? Because the message for so long is like, well, this is what you can wear, so I guess you have to wear it even if you don't like it. You know, that's sort of like you're getting this sort of sad alternative versus like, is there a way that we can nurture these kids feeling good about self-expression through clothing? And I will say, I love online shopping, but I feel like we're entering the years now where my daughter's going to want to go shopping with her friends because we're mm-hmm. hitting the teeny years. So we'll have to come back in a couple of years and I'll tell you what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> and she's also getting into thrift, which has opened a whole new complicated. Because most thrift stores don't have plus size, I'm guessing. They don't. Ugh. So it's, we're navigating and it's fun and interesting if the frame is can kind of be how can we be creative sort of about some of the choices that we're making? So, for example, one of the things we found a really, really like triple extra large men's white button down shirt. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, this can be a dress. Let's see if we can find a belt. And so there's ways to find your own style. It's like sometimes the most creative things come out of being shoved into a box. By being forced into this box of not having a lot of choices, how can we go about it doing something creative? Mm -hmm. The other thing is I'm a big like, fabric pens or paints like I let my daughter draw all over her jeans I'm like school appropriate school appropriate (laughs) (laughs) no curses but like I think particularly at a younger age there might be something really fun and interesting about Mm -hmm. adding you know drawing or painting or let's bring back the bedazzler I've just said it out loud let's do it let's do it (laughs) let's do it bedazzling is so fun I love that idea and my daughter can sew better than me already so I'm trying to I'm trying to encourage that (laughs) There are so many talented sewists in the Burnt Toast community. And whenever we talk clothes, there's a whole bunch of y'all in the comments talking about like these amazing pattern designers that are out there. Like if you can sew, it does open up a whole world to you that I am envious of while still not wanting to become a sewer. I kicked myself for not learning because my mother sews. And I'm like, that was the worst choice I ever made. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I suppose we still could. Like we don't have to rule it out but mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I don't know it's <laughs> it doesn't sound like how I'm gonna spend a Saturday <laughs> but I just really admire people who do it and I guess to that end of you know encouraging your daughter to develop her style and thrift shopping and all of that you know if you have any thoughts for other parents about how do we talk to our kids about the things we're looking for in these clothes. Like when you're looking for elastic waists or adjustable cuffs or whatever, do you explain this landscape and say like, it's so crappy that they don't make clothes for your body? Or does that just make them feel more othered? I think particularly when my daughter was younger, my focus was on trying to keep it as light and fun as humanly possible. I mean, Mm -hmm. you are going to learn very soon, probably sooner than anyone would like, that it's a really crummy landscape. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to do what I can. And this is where I I do put in maybe more effort than a lot of other folks think is necessary. But I know sort of things that she's going to have to navigate as she grows up. So if I can just extend this period where she's sort of building confidence, then I'm going to do what I can to sort of protect some of that. And we're going to have small conversations here and there. 
around, you know, you know, you like to move and kids sit very strangely. I don't know if they do this. Do your kids like sit like half upside down on the couch and like if they're even like sitting on the couch, like, I mean, yeah, like on the arms, on the backs. Yeah. So I'm like, you just need clothing that moves because of how you choose to sit in the (laughs) living room. (laughs) A. And when your clothing fits comfortably, I feel like you're more confident. Mm -hmm. You're not always trying to pull the shirt down. You're not always pulling at the waistband. And I honestly think they should keep more adjustability in all kids' clothing. Because I think even straight-sized kids, like, we don't make custom clothing anymore. It's not, you know, your mom and your dad and your grandmother sewing what you wear every day that's made to fit your body. It's mass-produced. And I think even straight-sized kids would benefit from a lot of adjustability. Like, those pants that have, like, the button hold elastic where mm-hmm. the button where you can like yeah you can let them out or you can, you can like let them out or you can let them in. Them in yeah completely because it's i mean still kids growing fast and needing different sizes when you least expect it and it's like you, you wanting to maybe invest in like i can invest in the bigger size because i need the length but the waist is too big so then mm-hmm. if it's adjustable and that's like drawstrings all of it like the variety of bodies and the variety of growth trajectories just require, I think, adjustability for absolutely everyone. And it makes me think, too, like when we talk about like universal design or adaptive clothing, like Mm. the tweaks that we can make to make a shirt tag not scratchy. I mean, brands have figured that out, right? Like so many brands have gotten rid of scratchy shirt tags and just have like the label printed on the shirt now because that's like a sensory nightmare for so many kids. And no kid was like, wait, I'm being like, I'm so mad to have lost that shirt tag. Like no one was penalized by that decision. <laughs> it made it better for everybody not to deal with a scratchy shirt tag. Similarly, like making clothes more size fluid would benefit everybody. You know, I did just like making buttons easier to do. You know, one of my kids has some OT challenges and like mm. zippers and snaps and tricky buttons are just like a journey we're always on. And like, yeah, I need more clothes with easier to maneuver closures so she can dress herself confidently. Like, you know, there's just easy ways to make those shifts that we all benefit from and nobody's held back. And so I do talk to her about it. I talk to her just about, you know, not every brand has the variety of sizes that are needed for you and for a lot of other kids. So we're going to find the ones that work and just sort of, you know, as she gets older, we have more in-depth sort of conversations. And part of it, I also just sort of frame my own sort of journey and that, you know, you can find things that you love and you can be comfortable in your body and you can keep doing all the things that you do. And so it's just, it's not easy and there's good days, bad days. And I think that's that's true for me, right? Good days and bad days for me as well. Well, I just really appreciate your expertise on all of this. I mean, I think there's so much useful info here for parents who are all in, we're all in the struggle together. I'm so excited for your, like, tell us what's going on with the clothing line. When can our kids wear Embernies? Yes. So I did a very small Kickstarter this summer to raise money for the first production run. And the fabric is being shipped as we speak. So, the yeah, the goal is to have everything manufactured and completed by the end of October. It might bleed a little bit into November. So we're kind of missing that big holiday season. But I mean, it's been a wild ride between... (laughs) supply chain and like all the things. So I can't even imagine how many new things you're learning in this process. This is incredible. No wonder yeah. you don't want to learn to sew. I mean, <laughs> exactly. 
you're there's a little busy. No more space. There's no more space for that. There's people that can do that. So yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping to have the first five piece collection available late this year and only continue to make more pieces from there. Amazing. All right. So Pam, what is your butter? Okay. I don't know why, but this is the first thing that popped in my head. My entire family right now is obsessed with soft pretzels. Love it. I don't know if people are like, don't sleep on a soft pretzel. <laughs> it's like, it's a slightly higher effort in terms of snacks. You have to like put it in the toaster oven for three minutes. But A, I love like warm, fresh out of the oven. Mm. Like that's never a bad thing. Never a bad and thing. I think it's just because I love dips and sauces. Maybe. <laughs> like you can do mustard one day. You can do queso. You can do like salt and chocolate. You can do peanut butter and honey like I just we're all about apparently dips and sauces in my family I was gonna say so what's your favorite dip for them okay right now I'm very big on mustard I feel like my German ancestors are very proud of me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like because it's fancy mustard or like spicy brown oh yeah I love a spicy brown and where like do you buy them frozen like tell me how to acquire these frozen pretzels I buy them frozen Trader Joe's has them if you have a Trader Joe's. Okay. Um, the, they've been around since I think I was a kid. It's a super pretzel in the black box. No, freezer I don't section. Know I only oh know like gosh. Auntie Anne's like mall pretzels. I didn't know you could have a soft pretzel in the comfort of your own home. You can. And Auntie Anne's also does okay. theirs frozen as well. We found oh, wow. those, I think, Target frozen section. So, oh, wow. All right. Check out the freezer section at your grocery store. If they don't have it, check Target, check Trader Joe's. There's like, <laughs> So, do your research, people. Find your pretzels. Right? <laughs> like, don't make me start a pretzel blog. I will do it if I have to. <laughs> I love it. That sounds delicious. I'm definitely going to try that. That sounds like a very satisfying snack that needs to be in my life. My butter this week, I was going to recommend a pair of boots I just got from Target, but I'm a little worried that by the time this airs, they will be sold out because Target is frustrating that way. So instead, I'm going to recommend the Ivy and Bean show on Netflix. If you have kids in the, I don't know, preschool to later elementary school years and you read the Ivy and Bean books, the new TV show is lovely. It's so funny and really like very fun and graphic how they shot it it's real people it's not animation my daughter is like a little fuzzy on the details of how shows get made and she keeps (laughs) being like so are they friends in real life like the fact that it's not a cartoon and they're actors it's like (laughs) so is that being's real mom like did they go to her house and I'm like it's a set they're actors anyway so it's a show with actors which is a concept most of us are familiar with um I really like that they cast Bean and her family as a black family in the book the illustrations she's usually I think she's white and they did a really great job it's like a show you can watch with your nine-year-old and also enjoy for yourself so that's a very niche form of viewing I've (laughs) found it is very hard to find shows the Venn diagram of that is like one I feel like the intersection it really is and like she's not quite there for Gilmore Girls like I feel like we have like another year or so before and then it's like okay if after we watch Gilmore Girls and unpack all the problems of you know how it didn't age I don't know what we're gonna watch yeah I currently don't watch anything I think right now occasionally like competition shows we still like intersect a little bit so Mm -hmm. like the 
British Bake Off. Yeah, and- yeah, that's true. Those kinds of shows are good, all family viewing. Abbott Elementary was another one that we did oh, together. Yeah. That was really nice. But it's, you know, it's a bummer. Like, I want to watch Parks and Rec with her, and I probably will. But there's a lot of fat phobia to unpack. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, oh, I just want to watch a show. I don't want to have to do all the work. <laughs> Can I yeah. just, can I just like not for a second? Yeah, exactly. Well, Pam, thank you again for being here. This was an awesome conversation. Tell folks where they can follow you and how we can support your work. Thanks. The best thing to do is head over to embernace.com, sign up for the newsletter. I will be sending updates about when things are available, what new things are going to be coming down the pike. And you can also, my Instagram is there as well. You can give us a follow over there. I'm still improving my Instagram game, so be patient, please. Um. No problem, as are we all. (laughs) We will link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you again for being here. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Burnt Toast. Once again, if you'd like to support the show, make sure you are subscribed for free in your podcast player and consider a paid subscription to the Burnt Toast newsletter. You can do that by clicking the link in your episode description or going to virginiasoulsmith.substack.com. The Burnt Toast Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia Soul Smith. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at V underscore Soul Smith. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne Fay, who runs at Cell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus-size clothing. The Burnt Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell. And Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting independent anti-diet journalism. 